Hi there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian, he's been living here in Japan for over two decades now, and for about half of that time he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just wanna have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, folks, the time is upon us. This coming Saturday, 4th February, less than a week left for the Japan Real Estate Summit in Tokyo at the beautiful Shiabuda House event space in Minato-ku. We're at about 60 seats sold of the 80 in-person capacity, and the streaming tickets are also selling like hotcakes. So if you are waiting for the last moment, um, this is it. Hop over to realestate.jp, grab those last few tickets today. Can't wait to see you all there, either face-to-face -face or via the stream. Mingle, talk shop, and of course answer any and all questions you may have for our Japan Real Estate Experts panel members, Tracy, Emil, Blanca, Matt, and myself. This will be absolutely fantastic. Okay, for today's episode, he's already been on this podcast a number of times, now backed by popular demand, it's the one and only Ben Sheeran, Tanaka Ben, financial consultant, author of two super popular financial guidebooks for English speakers living in Japan, and the man behind the retired Japan website and online community. He's recently joined uh, our JREP members, Emil Gorgis, Tracy North Northcott, and myself to talk personal finance, savings and retirement, the two Japan retirement fund vehicles, Nissan and Ideco. We also talk about different asset classes for investment, equity markets, index funds, um, taxation, financial planning, creative accounting. And then we get a bit more meta as we ponder what retirement actually means for each and every one of us. Can entrepreneurs um, ever relax? Diversity hedging, multiple sources of income, loans, mortgages, interest rates, owning versus renting, and much, 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 much more. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you again on the other side. All right, Japan Real Estate Experts panel is back in session. Uh, we'll do the round of intros um, between us, but then we've got a really special guest on today. But we'll start with the uh, less important people. So, uh, Emil. <laughs> Emil, you go first. <laughs> I was holding myself. It's true. P people often forget about me um, once the deal is done, which is, which is fine. I'm good with that. Uh, hello. Yeah, my name is Emil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo, and I help uh, foreign and mixed families buy their own home in Tokyo including financing and the house search and everything. So thank you so much. And over to, well, the someone more important. I'm not, <laughs> it's not in order of importance. It's, uh, I'm skipping you too. Uh, Tracy, over to you. 
<laughs> Thanks, Emil. Yeah, I'm important because I run the Zoom. We just discussed that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, in my regular life, I am the short-term rental minpaku expert. I've been doing minpaku in Tokyo for over ten years. I am also a coach, mentor, speaker, and best-selling author on all things short-term rental. So that's me. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm here every week. So thanks, Ziv. Back to you. Like I'm back to you, Brady Bunch. <laughs> okay. And I'm Ziv Nakajima again and um, co-founder and partner at NTI, Nippon Tradings International. And we handle investment properties and holiday homes all over the country on behalf of anyone, whether they reside in Japan or out of Japan. And uh, today we've got a very special guest star, um, not that special to us because we've had him on the uh, podcast on numerous occasions already, but Ben Sheeran, who is a founder, admin, manager, and owner of the Retire Japan online um, forum group. What exactly are you, Ben? Yeah, so uh, I'm Ben. Uh, Sheeran, aka Ben Tanaka sometimes, that's my uh, official alias here. Um, and I run Retired Japan. I'm the entire team, as Ziv said. <laughs> so, <laughs> I often use the royal we. We are doing something. No, I am doing something. So um, basically, Retired Japan is is uh, my my goal is to help people learn about personal finance so they can improve their life and, and be happier and more productive and all that. So it's based in Japan. So it's, it's focused on personal finance in Japan. And it's a very um, it's a very active online forum and group, isn't it? I mean, aside from the content that you regularly put out, there's a lot of very knowledgeable people who participate and help, aren't they? Yeah, the forum's excellent. So we've got a forum with um, a few thousand members um, that's pretty active, as you say. Uh, we've got the blog, we've got courses and coaching as well. But most of the information's free on the website, so... And in the last couple of years, you've um, you've published a couple of books yourself, haven't you? Yeah, so I've written some guides to Japanese-specific accounts like Nisa and Ideko. Uh, and actually, the latest edition of the Nisa guide came out last month. So it's brand spanking new, up to date. Although apparently, they're going to change Nisa next year. So I'm going to have to write a new one. So to, to listeners who are not aware of these um, of these two vehicles, can you give them a rough explanation of what they actually mean and why there's a guide needed for them? Oh, okay, sure. Um, well, there's a, we need the guide because there's not all that much information in English about this stuff. So having a, a kind of curated, handy, easy to understand source of information is very useful. Um, so Ideco is a retirement account. So it's... It gives you a tax benefit, so it lowers your income tax. You put pre-tax income into it. So every yen you put in reduces your taxable income uh, and hence your income taxes. Um, the flip side of that is that you can't touch it until you're 60. But within the account, you can invest in the stock market through funds, uh, and hopefully that will grow. And then when you're 60, 65, 70, um, you can actually delay taking it out to 75 to keep that tax-free benefit. Um, then hopefully you'll have a nice lump sum to help you with retirement. And NISA is an account designed to encourage people to invest. So if you open a NISA account, you can invest tax-free for a certain amount of time, either five years or 20 years. Um, and there's no limits on that one. You can get your money anytime. So it's quite flexible uh, and useful. And basically, if you're going to invest, you might as well invest tax-free. So I recommend people use those accounts first 
before investing in a taxable account where you're going to pay 20% um, capital gains tax. So the Deco is more passive retirement fund oriented and the NISA is more for somebody who wants to be a bit more active with it? No, no, they're both pretty passive um, because in NISA, you can't rebalance. So you can't trade in the account. If you buy something, um, once you sell it, it comes out of the wrapper and you don't get your allowance back. So trading within a NISA account is not very um, effective. So okay, they're so- both designed to... to encourage people to invest kind of sensibly for the long term yeah and um so before i start bombarding you with questions there's one that's um constantly on my mind because i'm a regular consumer um of your content and i've also had the pleasure of of speaking in one of your events and you've been again on the podcast most popular video on our channel is is it really oh yep oh thank you Okay, well, well, that further emphasizes my question is, um, I don't see you talking about real estate as an investment. Like I see you chatting about real estate, about home loans and, and buying your own place, but not that much about investing in, in real estate. Is that because of um, lack of familiarity or because you don't see that as a, as a viable retirement investment retirement tool or what's the, um, what's the dearth there? Okay, um, well, basically, that's just a preference. So I do, I do mention it as one option. You know, we've got, obviously we've got investing in the stock market. We've got investing in real estate. We've got entrepreneurship and so on. But personally, I don't invest in real estate directly. Um, I have a few, I have a couple of REITs, but that's about it. Um, mainly because I'm extremely lazy and I don't want to do the, the work <laughs> to invest in, in real estate. So I'll leave the juicy profits to, to more hardworking people. They're not uh, juicy. No, but, but when you say... When you say lazy, do you mean the actual self-education that's required? Um, I think everything from, you know, learning about it, doing due diligence, finding an agent seems to be the most passive approach. You need to find a, a company to manage the property for you and so on. Um, for me, even that is a step beyond when I, you know, compared to investing in a, a mutual fund, which takes three seconds to do. What do you find the advantages or disadvantages of, of both approaches to be? Well, I, like I said, I'm not familiar with real estate because I haven't done it. But for me, the stock market offers fairly attractive yield. I mean, returns from at least historically, we're talking, you know, eight, nine percent a year historical returns on you know global stock market funds. Um, extremely low fees, you know, a 0.2% annual fees, uh, and basically no work at all. <laughs> Compared to real estate where, you know, maybe if you can use loans, you can get um, the leverage that way, you, you can leverage your investments and so on. Um, and you have these tax deductions, which are very attractive to people with higher incomes, I think. Um but other than that, um, for, for someone in my position where, you know, I'm basically semi-retired now, so I haven't got that high income. Um, yeah, it's just not something that I've, I've felt interested enough to, to jump into. It's interesting that you say that. Like in my impression, real estate is, is more of the passive park your money somewhere and get a paycheck compared to like I've my impression of, of equity investing or stocks has always been that you have to keep your finger on the pulse, you have to monitor, you have to read meeting summaries, you have to know where your investment is going. So to me, that always seemed like the more 
hands-on, involved form of investing, actually? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're buying a global stock mutual fund, then that's it. You know, you buy 10,000 companies across the world and, and there's no due diligence to do because the index um, balances itself. Company goes bankrupt, they get rid of it, they put a new company in. You don't really have to think about it. Yeah. Ben? Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I, I think that's an important point you touched. So I, enjoy, I do both sort of you know, real estate, um, investment properties, personal homes, I think is, is, is a great one, especially in Japan because of the uh, almost no cost of entry. But also, you know, I think stocks are, are very important in our portfolio. A lot of people I speak with, um, their clients and friends, they always think, ah, oh, it's stocks are overly complex. And I'm you know, Australian and, as you know, sort of with, with Aussies, real estate is just kind of innate in the culture, owning your own place, right? Um, you can see it a bit rather than stocks, which is, yeah, it, stocks, when we hear about it on the news, it can sound overwhelming and complex. And you touched on an interesting point, which I also like often try to explain to people. I try to explain to my wife as well. The concept of like a mutual fund or an index fund that you're not actually trading, buying this, and you don't need to keep your finger on the pulse so much because it is an index fund. So I think for some viewers or some listeners here, can you kind of just explain what that is and what the benefits are and how it becomes a bit of a hands-off, um, you know, uh, passive investment? Because I think that's important sure. education. <clears throat> Okay. Um, yeah. So an index fund is basically um, a fund that buys investments, I guess, based on a list. Uh, and there's different lists. So what's in the fund is going to depend on the list. So some famous lists would be like the S&P 500, the 500 biggest companies in America. It's one of the most popular fund uh, indexes. Um, you've also got global indexes, which contain you know every major company in the world, pretty much. Um, and you've got things like the uh, Nikkei 225 index in Japan, which is 125 companies. Now, what the funds are is basically a bank or a financial institution buys the stocks and makes a fund, and then you can buy pieces of the fund. So basically, you get to own all the stocks without having to buy each individual stock, which would be incredibly expensive and really time-consuming. So instead of that, you just buy the fund. And there's two major... Um, shapes the fund could be in. There could be an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund, or there can be a mutual fund. And these are basically the same. They just work slightly differently in a matter that really doesn't matter to the consumer. Now, in Japan, mutual funds are better at the moment um, because the fees are comparable, but a mutual fund is allowed to reinvest dividends internally. So dividends are the profits the companies pay out to their shareholders. Uh, normally, if you get a dividend, you have to pay tax on it. And then you can maybe reinvest what's left after you pay tax. But in a mutual fund in Japan, the fund itself just puts the dividend back into the fund without paying it out and without paying tax. So your money compounds a little bit faster with a mutual fund, um, which is why we basically recommend... Um, as long as someone is not a U.S. citizen, um, they should buy mutual funds in Japan, generally. And you you caveat the U.S. Thank citizens you. because of their reporting requirements? Yeah, so U.S. tax rules and, and regulations make it almost impossible for U.S. citizens to invest in Japan. It's much easier for them to just do so with a U.S. broker 
um, and that's what we recommend. Basically, if you don't understand why it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for that summary. Yeah, I have a question. How are the the Japanese, you know, the what you're, uh, this is, you know, full disclosure, this is the first time I've, you know, looked into this. Um, I have mutual funds overseas um, and, you know, I just put the money in every month and I I can watch it. How are the performances based uh, comparing like the the local with the the international um you know the the credentials and the uh, generalities and the you know all those big ones how are they royal scandia there's a, there's a bunch of them yeah right okay so the it depends on the, the contents of the fund sure. so mm-hmm. assuming it's the same fund it'll perform the same so if you have an S&P 500 fund based in America or in the UK or in Australia or in Japan, it will perform the same. Um, it's just that whatever currency it's denominated in is going to be different. Um, wow. Now, if you're talking about kind of offshore investments mm. um, based through insurance companies, yeah. Um, so the funds are going to perform the same, but you're going to be paying much higher fees. So, for example, I mentioned in Japan, a, a competitive um, mutual fund fee would be like 0.2%. percent hmm but if you're investing through uh, a kind of advisor who's gone a commission, basically, uh, and you're, you're investing through an insurance company, um, the fees tend to be much higher. So you're talking kind of 1%, 2%. Um, and then there's the lock-in period where you can't sell without a penalty. And that's basically to protect the commission that was paid to mm-hmm. the person that sold it. Um, so... I think over time, the, the the higher the fees are, the less of your money you get to keep at the end. Mm-hmm. So all things being equal, it's better to pay lower fees if you can. But there's also the tax advantages of actually, because the, the, the money that you're sending overseas is really post-tax money, right? And you're saying that you're putting pre-tax money in. So. Oh, paying in pre-tax money, assuming yeah. you're paying income tax, is, is much better um, because it reduces your hmm. income tax. Um, whereas, they can only do that with the Japanese, the native Japanese vehicles, right? Only Ideco at, uh, at the moment. Only Ideco, okay. Yeah, so that's a kind of self-managed um, pension account, which allows you to... I mean, the same thing happens with Nenkin, actually. Your Nenkin payments um, are also pre-tax income. So you reduce your income tax by paying Nenkin as well. Nenkin being your government-subsidized uh, pension, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Understood. And that just, just so the eDeco is capped, I believe, monthly or annual payments. It is. So it's well, a monthly. Is um, and it depends. It, it's kind of confusing because what the how the government explains this is they say it's based on what your job is, which is a, a simplification that makes it more difficult to understand. It's basically it's based on what type of nanking you're paying. So if you're a public servant or a quasi-public servant, like someone who works for a high school or, or a, a university, um, your payments are capped at a very low level because the assumption is that your pension is actually quite good. So you don't need the help. So if you're a public servant, it's 12000 a month that you're allowed to pay into Ideco, which is very small, obviously. That's 12000 yen, right? Like and I, that was me until March. Yeah. 100 bucks, yeah. Whereas if you're a normal 
salaried worker who's paying into Corsair Ninkin. That's the sometimes called the salary man pension. Um, it's twenty three thousand a month. So again, it's not it's not huge, um, but over 20, 30, 40 years, it's going to build up to a nice little retirement pot. And if you're self-employed, i.e. you're paying kokumin nenkin, um, then you can pay in 68,000 yen a month. And right. that makes a difference. That does reduce your, your taxable income uh, a fair amount. It's like 700,000 yen a year, basically. Um, off your marginal tax rate. So whatever the top rate of income tax that you're paying, it's reducing that that bit. <clears throat> so if you're a 30% taxpayer, you're getting kind of a 30% return immediately just by paying into IDECO. Sorry, I'm just taking notes here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you're um, if you're self-employed or you have a small business, there's a there's another scheme. That's called the uh, small and medium business savings plan. Um, that's also pre-tax income. So if you're making a lot of profit and you're, you're paying a lot of income tax, you can use that to reduce your your income taxes. And basically, that goes. That's not as good as Iveco because it just goes into cash. Um, but if you're paying income taxes, that can reduce your income taxes and and can give you a decent return that way. Oh, we've got some more details on the blog. What was the name? What was the name of that one more time, Ben? It's um, the Small Medium Business Savings Plan. Uh, it's called the, I'd have to look it up, something Kyosai. Uh, my wife is actually okay. using that. Um, it's very popular with small business owners. If you, yeah, if you've got a small business and you have an accountant, they definitely know about it. So they can give you good advice about whether it's suitable for you or not. Yeah. You find that you use accountants much in your personal planning in Japan? Do you find them to be a valuable resource? Um, I don't, um, because again, I'm very lazy. So, <laughs> um, the nice thing about investing in Japan is that there's very, very little tax paperwork. So, if you use a NISA account, there's no tax reporting at all. So, anything you put in NISA is effectively invisible to the government. Um, if you have an Ideco account, it's again, there's no taxes until the end when it's all done pretty seamlessly by the tax office. And if you invest in a taxable account, your broker does your taxes for you. So you don't have to calculate or report or pay your taxes unless you want to. So there's an option to do that, but most people just do the automated reporting through the broker. I meant, and I think your answer kind of implies what your reply is going to be, but I meant more in the sense of actually receiving viable financial advice for your retirement plan. Not not an accountant to submit your tax statements for you, but one ah. to actually provide advice. Okay, so my experience with accountants, and it might just be the ones I've talked to, is that they're not very proactive in offering advice. Like They'll generally answer questions uh, and do basic procedures for you. But I haven't met an accountant yet who I'm like, how can I save money? And they'll give me some great ideas. Like, okay. uh, that doesn't seem to be a thing. I think for financial planning, it's more a case of looking for a, um, a financial planner, um, which do exist in Japan. There's an FP association, the FP Kyokai, uh, and they have independent financial planners. And this is important because they're not getting commissions. Uh, and generally speaking, you don't want people who give you advice to be on commission because that's going to bias their advice, regardless of how you know upstanding they might be. 
Um, and yeah, you can normally get a free consultation. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, go to the FP Kyokai uh, website and you can book a free consultation with one of their advisors. And they're pretty well qualified, most of them. Um, a lot of them have CPA and uh, you know, similar US style accreditation, which is, is pretty rigorous. So you'll definitely get some good advice uh, from that. So yeah, I wouldn't go to an accountant. I go to a financial planner yeah. if you're worried about that kind of thing. I learned that just recently, Ben. I I have two different accountants, and I sat them down, and I've got all these different plans, and and you know, and I said, look, I want a strategy. I want to know. All right, I've got all these different businesses. Am I, you know, should I be putting the Minpaku stuff through the company, or should I be putting it through, as you know, in my personal tax? And they were like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like. You know, yes, I'm declaring all the income, but if I declare it in a different way, is that, is that going to re- either reduce my burden or is that going to how how is that going to benefit? I would them? think this would yeah. be their their main their main value to well, their clients. No, but it just seemed to be just you know and like you know they're lovely people, but they really just wanted to be pushing buttons and really just to be you know getting getting the reports in and then be done rather than thinking of an overall strategy right because i have because you know i have a house i have a minpaku in my house so i'm basically house hacking but in the past it's always been that the income was then um you know the income was then on my personal taxes and you know, but I also run a company out of my house, which is that so technically that's an office. So it's like there's a whole bunch of different ways to do things. And I was just trying to really draw out, okay, if we do it this way, what's the best way? If we do it this way, what's the overall thing? Am I going to affect, you know, if I am I going to affect like a capital gains tax on my house, even though it's my primary residence, but it's also my office and it's also an income producing asset. But then I and an expense yielding <laughs> expense producing asset as well, right? That's right. And 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 also because I'm because I'm self-employed, I couldn't get the Jutaku loan like you guys get. Like I I couldn't get that 0.5% mortgage that a lot of people get. I had to get the sort of 3.7%. So of course I'm trying to, you know, shuffle things around to make sure that I'm really, you know, I'm really maximizing the opportunities are there. But do you think I could find somebody to actually like think, think, you know, laterally and, and vertically, but it was, it's been really hard. So I'm in the middle of that right now. So Ben, this is really, I'm, taking lots of notes so i hope the, <laughs> the readers can also you know if you are running you know if you're not under a standard like gensen show show where you get your you, you have your like you know what do we call it in australia Emil? we call it like the group certificate like if you have multiple yeah. streams of income and you know how is that best to manage so that you're you know you're not you know giving more out than you need to mm. Yeah, I think it's 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 quite the rare accountant that does that. I mean, they probably do exist. Um, you might want to find someone younger. Exist. Um, it's someone... very expensive. We refer <clears throat> our customers to a few of those. They're definitely not cheap. Yeah, someone was telling me there's different types of accountants. So there's accountants that could kind of self-qualify, and then there's accountants that come up through the the kind of government offices, and then there's accountants that come up through companies, and they tend to be more creative, apparently. So maybe finding someone like that. I find accountants do answer questions. If you say, hey, if I do this, what happens? But they don't tell you the unknown unknowns. Exactly. exactly. But they don't tell you the things that you don't know about. Exactly. Which is what you really want from a, an expert, mm-hmm. I think. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I've got one. There's one guy who I, I kind of was speaking to, and I'm, I'm considering him. He's like, you know, do you, um, you know, send money back to your parents? Are they your dependents? Because if they are, you can get a uh, tax deduction on, on that. And do you do this? Because if you do that, you can get a, there's this thing also available for you. And I, 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 the short discussion with him, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I like his vibe because whereas other, another account will say, oh, like you'll say, by the way, I, what if I do this? And then as you were saying, Ben, yeah, they'll, they'll give you the feedback. Oh, well, if you do that, this is the tax sort of repercussion or the, the saving. But unless you know about it, and present it and ask the question Tell they won't introduce it, it <laughs> themselves like if you said like if you don't tell them about you know if they don't know like if you say hey i'm actually doing a uh, ideco you know contribution say, oh yes great you can save you know tax on you know twenty thousand fifty thousand in a month but they won't just say by the way you should read into this and you should get ben's book um which <laughs> actually so i wish they yeah, did do yeah, that I, yeah I, I, <laughs> I, so yours, <laughs> one of the, like, often when I get, you know, any information online or whatnot, any PDF, I will share it around, you know, with, with my circle. Say, yeah, this is pretty good, useful information and whatnot. Your one, I think I bought uh, maybe two or three years ago um, before, uh, when I was just like, I, I was looking into it. I heard about it. I was looking into it. A lot of banks will have NISA, so N-I-S-A or IDECO, which is I-D-E-C-O, Um uh, like pass it all over and and being promoted, I'm like, what are these? And I've heard about it from some people, but always similarly, I said, holy, I've heard about this, but I don't know what it is. After trying to search in in Japanese for a little bit, then I found you know some of your posts in English, and we have these books, these two guides. I think they're like what two? Like they're, they're not how much were they each? I, two thousand oh, yen. Much do you put yeah. them two, two, two thousand yen each. I'm like, you know what? This guy's got like the whole thing sort of all prepared. He's searched it. He knows what's going on. And so they're the two, the Ideco <laughs> and the Nisa guides in English. I bought them like, yeah, three years ago. And I, I just received the most late, latest update because you constantly, every time you do an update, it's perpetually sort of free updates. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Right? Yeah. yeah. You get access fantastic. To so it. that's, yeah. So that, that's the one I'll, I've always recommended to people to say, look, I've got these two. It like, you want, like, uh, I think if you want to learn about it, don't, you know, go to Retire Japan um, and buy, buy these guides. It's just an individual guy. So I'm not going to send you a copy. <laughs> I wanted to get his, <laughs> It's appreciated. Uh, Although I his, think his, there's a lot of pirate copies out there. <clears throat> oh, oh, definitely. Because, again, it would have been very easy for me to do it. But I'm um, similar to you. Like, you know, when you put a lot of work and effort into it, um, it's not a great deal of money. And it's nice to have. And also, I think you feel a little bit more invested, you know, into reading definitely, it. Definitely. Than when it's just a, a pirated copy. Just goes in a file so, otherwise, um, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'll save yeah, that in, in a, here in and read it later. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to ask a little bit about your sort of, Have you found... if it's all right to take a tangent, on how you started the, you know, Retire Japan and what, how it sort of grew, because it's quite a behemoth now. Um, you have a huge forum, really active, and th there's a lot of, you know, information like that you've provided, but also just the community. Um, can we just have a bit of story, a bit more story into like, you know, when and how that works? I'm, I think a lot of us are entrepreneurs or, you know, we think about investment, but also the business side of stuff. We're curious. curious. And for someone like yourself to have gotten that. Now, anyone who's interested in the space season goes, oh, actually, wow, he's, he's pulled it off quite 
quite well and has gotten quite, <laughs> you know, everyone knows Retired Japan. I think, oh yeah, I've seen that, I've heard of it. That's kind of funny because Retired Japan is an awful business if we're looking at it from a making money <laughs> kind of perspective. Um, because for most of the, the duration, it hasn't really, that's not the, the purpose of it. Um, it's kind of been a hobby, social kind of contribution service to humanity kind of project for me. Um, also, I was I was employed until March, so my employer was a bit finicky about people doing stuff on the side. So it was much easier not to monetize it for for most of the time. Um, I start I I, well, I guess I got started with personal finance when I lost my job. So I lost my job in two thousand eight at quite short notice, and that was incredibly traumatic for me and my wife and our situation. So I kind of said, right. I don't want that to happen again, ever. So for someone to make a decision and ruin my life, that, that shouldn't be possible. So that, that was my main kind of motivation there, to learn about it. And the reason I started Retired Japan is because I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he was working as a teacher in Tokyo, and he started investing through one of these kind of advisory companies that, that promote overseas kind of products. Uh, and I just got so angry about that. <laughs> I was like, you know, my friend, he's a lovely guy and he's he's not wealthy by any means, but just getting like taken advantage of. So I thought, right, I want to I want to fix this. So I went to I went home, registered the domain and, and started the blog that very day. So that's where Retired Japan came from. Uh, and then, you know, as, as we went, so I had people commenting on the posts and I thought oh, it would be nice to have a forum. So we started a forum and people joined the forum and the forum turned into probably the best thing about Retired Japan is the kind of the community. So I would say like, you know, I don't know the answers, but we can figure them out together. Uh, uh, and that crowdsourcing of knowledge and information is incredible. So you go in the forum, you ask a question and you get 10 responses <clears throat> from people who, you know, in a good way are disinterested. You know, they're not going to make any money off this. They're not, they haven't got anything to, to, to sell. They're just trying to give you a good answer. Uh, and by having lots of different answers, you, you get the right answer eventually. So the wisdom of crowds kind of writ large, as it were. Yeah, I found it very helpful when I was doing my niece. I said, okay, so SBI um, NISA, which is a you know index fund, which are the popular index funds um, to to go for, and yeah, they'll to like. And I didn't actually search. I I, I didn't actually post. I just searched because I'm. I was very aware that this discussion has been had dozens of times. So, but yeah, just search. Okay, that and and it pops up. Boom, 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 boom. You see so many discussions about it. Uh, it's a, just a wonderful resource. So good on you for putting that together. Yeah, it's 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 my ikigai, you know, like my reason to get <laughs> up in the morning. So. <laughs> I know that. So I we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. 
They come with fast unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces and fully equipped kitchens. And they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. So yeah. I want to I wanna segue into something that's a bit more casual, but a lot deeper at the same time. Um, so Ben, the whole idea behind Retire Japan is to help people retire who happen to live in Japan. And the whole idea behind um, each and every one of us here on the panel running um, our business, uh, I'm imagining, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Emil and Tracy, is to be able to build a similar um, investment machine or engine, if you will, that will enable us to at some point um, retire. Or is it, well, I guess what I want to ask is what does that point look like for each and every one of you, is there like a, a point in time where you say, okay, from here on, I have retired and everything that I'm making is going to be through various passive or semi-passive channels? Or is this something that just releases you from the tension of having to think about when you're going to like? What does retirement look like for you if you, if you dream up the word? Each and every one of you, open question, I guess. Retirement to me is is obviously freedom right that's all we want we don't want to be locked into a job we don't want to be locked into a, a like place but i think as you know as foreign foreigners like as, as as people living outside where they were born i would really love to have a footprint in both countries right um so that you know that so that my son can you know can understand you know his history as well so that's that's what it really means to me is the freedom to you know, to have a footprint in both countries. So, and be able to, and also have the help to be able to like go between them a lot. Yeah. Hmm. How about yourself, Steve? Um, for me, it's a tricky one. Like I don't see, so I don't see that timeline. Like as far as I know myself, I enjoy what I do. It's a job, obviously it's work, it's a business, but I find myself curious and happily active when I do what I do. So I don't see like a particular day or an age where I'm going to say, okay, well, from here on, I'm not going to work anymore. But I think the, um, the freedom that Tracy mentions, and for me, it's more than two countries. There's at least three or four of them that I want to have 
regular and unscheduled access to. So as I get older, I think for me, retirement becomes more of um, not having to think about a particular schedule or places I have to be at a certain time and just have the freedom to do what I want, whether it is work or whether next week is going to be lying over the beach or next month it's going to be pursuing some hobby. Like I don't want, like I like to say that even now I'm only 40 something close to 50 the biggest schedule in my day is usually my son's school activities, right? Like when do we wake up at home is when we know he's going to school. When do we need to stop working and start thinking about dinner is when he comes home from school. That's not going to be forever, right? We've got maybe four or five years of that tops. And after that, I want to perfect my schedule so that it's not affected by anyone, but, but my own wishes. <clears throat> and finan financial aspects, of course, come with that, but that's the goal, I guess. How about you, Ben? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, it's quite similar, I think. Um, like for me, I want to be able to do whatever I want every day. <laughs> uh, and fortunately, I really enjoy think lots of things that create money, uh, you know, whether directly or indirectly. Um, so my hobby is is writing and running Retire Japan and helping my I mean helping my wife with this place so my wife runs a, an English school um so I'm happy just to do that um and that actually we're lucky because that produces more money than we actually need so I think we're done <laughs> as long as it Fantastic. you know continues so I guess there's always going to be a bandwidth like I know as a business owner and and Ben, I mean, you're, you've been employed until now, but you're probably um, you're, you're probably heading along those lines as well. And I know definitely for Tracy and Emil, the um, the concept of being your own boss or owning your own business means that you're never truly on holiday, right? So I, I've mentioned on many occasions, and I'm not complaining about <clears throat> it. I, it's the way I've set it up and the way I like it, but. For me, and I guess for you guys as well, to go on holiday means at most to be 24 hours off the grid. Beyond that, you always want to check in. Even if no one's actually asking for your attention, you want to check in to make sure that things are running smoothly. I wonder if there's some point without actually selling your business and not caring about it anymore. Is there some point in time where this actually becomes... A holiday a retirement or is it always going to be like that because we're just wired that way well i don't know have you read the four uh hour work week by Tim i've read Ferris? excerpts of it not the whole yeah thing. so that's his thing so he had a company it was incredibly stressful he was on call you know 24 7 all the time and he got so stressed that he just left for two months or something uh, and when he came back the company was still there uh, uh, and it was actually doing better than when he'd been you know, <laughs> running it 24-7. So I think that's the goal. Like My wife and I, we, 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 we've decided to take two months off next year for the first time ever. And, and that gives us a deadline to get the school set up. Completely so that it can Completely, completely we're leaving. Yeah, nothing. we're going to oh, Europe and we're not going to be here. So, that feels uh, so, so doki-doki for me. <laughs> not being yeah, in touch but with it, the business it, for two months. <laughs> it gives us the deadline to get it set up. So, you know, otherwise then you know, maybe we'd never have gotten to that point. So yeah. I've, I've done see, I, I think Tim Ferriss also talked about, you know, 
when I when I read for our workbook when it first came out, it was over a decade ago, I think. Um, maybe fifteen years ago now, roughly. I'd say um, the the mini retirement uh, mm. expression he comes up with, and that's you know why do you just work all your life and then wait till the very end to start taking time take work in such a way that you know get a month off you know every, every or even just like a, a two three weeks but he was thinking more like in one or two months every year and spread out your retirement sort of breaks throughout your lifetime rather than wait till you're very old for it um i had an opportunity with my second and third child um when i was still working in in a in a company before i was really doing the, the real estate sort of full time um and we took uh Paternity leave in Japan, it's not just maternity, it's paternity. So even the dad, you can take up to two years of leave. It was 18 months and they changed it to two years. So I took about 18 months off for for my second kid and two years for my third, which during that time, that two-year time is when I sort of really started focusing more on the real estate. I was doing a bit of a side before that, but then I really started focusing and in, in, in growing that and to the full-time Job that it is now but even with my second kid 18 months we spent like about eight months of the year outside of japan um you know uh, a month was in mexico um uh like five weeks was in hawaii um and a majority of, and then yeah california was a bit and then uh a majority of it was in australia of course with the grandparents but i've been sort of doing that and i've, I've just it's it's great it's fantastic and i can do it less now because you know we had that this we we um so involved with the, with the real estate but we're still you know in australia about two months a year pre-covid one to two months a year two long one month trips we'll go there um and it's getting to work you know in terms of the the work structure um viewing and closing deals is one thing but building this sort of pipeline and, and promoting and, and what have you can be done sort of from anywhere i don't have to be local in in japan so yeah, I think there's a certain way to structure a business that you're able to to do that. Um, you don't have to, I for me, I don't see myself at you know 60, 65. I'm, that's when I'm gonna retire and be fully hands-off. I like to have periods of hands-off, shortened periods of hands-off, these mini retirements, um, which are great because it's great bonding time with the with the family and I still have energy to do these things. Um, but that's, that's my thing, though, though, idea. You know, like you're, you're saying it now, and I felt that last time I was in Australia, which was just last month, is um, I'm not really on holiday. Right? <laughs> like half of the day, yeah, yes, I can work from anywhere, and there are things that I can handle, and of course, Zoom and everything else makes it even easier these days. But my mind is never disconnected. Oh, <laughs> right? See the issue, and I was read a great post. The issue is not because you are self-employed or you're the business owner the issue is because you're an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur cannot relaxing is not being at the beach for 24 40 hours. that's that's not relaxing for us that's i have done wasteful. that i am i am capable of that though i know i am i just want to <laughs> but you gotta you gotta really think okay i'm gonna take this time to myself i gotta try to do it because you try to fit the what you think stereotypically a holiday should be, but that's not how we are wired. Um, that, that, that's not it at all. We want to be. How about you, Tracy? Big. How was your last holiday? Were you fully disconnected? Or oh my god, I was doing uh, no at all. Like there's one day I got up at five because I had to actually run a training session for like a US a, a US group, and yeah, you never. 
I mean, you really do have to, you know, prioritize yourself. Otherwise, you, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do that, and I'll do that, and and then you end end up never having to to get a holiday. So, um, I try to actually schedule time away out of the country, but I'm I'm always connected. I, it would be a fantasy for me to be able to turn off my, turn off my phone or turn off my, yeah. Yeah, I would like that. I just, you know, at the moment, I'm not well, sure how that would happen. Well, this kind of rolls back into what Ben was, Ben, you know, what you were talking about in low management. Okay, and I feel like you know, I've, we talk about a, a regular business that we do, um, which is, you know, for me, the, the real estate sales, right? Finding homes for foreigners in Japan, and and we, our my income is based on commission, sales commission, but I have real estate investments which are. Um, you know, generate rental income. I've got properties in Japan. I've got properties in in Australia. Um, that one, there's capital growth, but there's also cash flow. Um, so that's something that is passive, and that's fully managed by management, like real estate agencies and management companies. So I'll get an email update: all oh, this tenant is moving out, and we're advertising. Bottom line decisions, this is right. it. Yeah. It, that, that, that's it, right? And yeah. and that's kind of it. I don't, it's really that is passive and that's a separate source of income. I don't really consider it as my current stuff because I still want to grow that. That's going to be useful for when I want to work less down the line. Um, and similarly what Ben, what you're referring to is that, you know, just investing in via NISA or IDECO or in, you know, what retired Japan is about is the traditional method of savings into stock market for the growth so that when you retire, you have, you know, income or funds to live off. Yeah, you've assumed uh, uh, um, uh, accumulated certain amount of wealth, and I think that's very relevant for the majority of people that are particular that are employees. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's the slow mm-hmm. and safe way to, you know, get ready for for things later. Basically, I think yeah, that um, I don't know if you read the the millionaire fast lane, like the fast lane and the slow lane. That's the slow lane, right? So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you work, and, you you put money away, it grows, and then when when you you need it later on it's there and then the fast lanes like yeah you become an entrepreneur and you make businesses and you make loads of money really quickly uh, and there's two different kind of approaches bit of both <laughs> i think bit of both well, i think yeah, yeah I think- obviously both is is uh, for me like the more sources of income you have the better right what's the what's the drawback to that when i lost my job i was lucky because i was already teaching part time so i didn't lose 100% of my income you know, only like 80%. <laughs> so, but the more, yeah, I mean, now, you know, if you've got, you've got your investments, you've got part-time work, you've got royalties, maybe you've got a commission from somewhere, you've got, that's such a position of strength to have that diversification. Um, I think it's, it's priceless. Yeah, that's, what, that's totally what, that's what totally what we did. Um, like, well, what I'd been doing is, you know, it was never, I was never just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. It was always like, all right, well, some of that has to then go into some sort of something. And then, you know, being in both my husband and I working, you know, in this housing business. And when, you know, when the pandemic hit, we both basically lost our jobs, like both of us. And, you know, we had this massive mortgage. So, you know, thank, you know, I, I thank my past self for actually 
you know, having that nest egg already rather than sort of depending on thinking that I'm going to be, you know, have a retirement when I'm 65. I actually had something that I could draw on that could keep my mortgage going when the, the when pandemic the is actually started. a really good example of why everything that Ben teaches and a lot of the stuff that we talk yes. about here too is so important, isn't it? Diversify, absolutely. You know, like always got to have diversification, whether it's, you know, cash and shares and like the, you know we've got we've got the lot so and it's, it's just that ben has the lot just not real estate right so <laughs> oh, so on on that note right like uh, and i think a lot of clients that i work with because i deal with family homes so and the easy way to get financing in japan is if you are just a salaried employee not if you're a business owner not if you're an entrepreneur um self-employed but if you're a salaried employee and that's where all your only your income only comes from that of course, you might have some stock investments and stuff, but that's passive. But if you're just a straight-up salary employee, say, in, in Japan, the banks will give you money. It's like seven to nine times your annual income. Interest rate is like 0.45 to 0.5%. Um, and 105% of the, the loan value. So closing, like the full loan value plus closing costs, just maybe a few hundred thousand, so like three to $5,000 out of pocket. It's cheaper to buy a house than to, than to just rent. Yes, yes. And it's going to be much nicer as well, isn't it? Than what you could rent. Oh, yes, yeah. And 100%. And and with with interest rates being like half a percent over the standard 35 year loan term in Japan, you're paying about 15% of property value in interest. Okay. So in other countries like, you know, Australia, when when you're getting closer to 5% interest rate, if you borrow a million dollars, you pay back the bank 2 million, right? Whereas in Japan, it's 15, like with those interest rates, it's about 15%. So if you borrow a million dollars over 35 years, you pay um, 1.15 million back to the bank. So 85% of your monthly repayment is, is equity, is going into the value of the, the property, right? How do you feel? And I know you've mentioned, Ben, that you're not so keen on real estate investment because it it's a layer of complexity um, that takes more time when just clicking and in three minutes, you can have a, a REIT. Um, but what do you feel about owning your own home? I'm, I'm a big proponent of that in Japan. Yeah. Um, so, and um, I think you're also a homeowner. Correct? Yeah, I, I bought a mansion. I never intended to, but I bought a, a mansion, you know, condominium with my wife. Um, my standard advice is that, yeah, like you say, like if you often your mortgage is going to be less than your rent for a similar property. Uh, and, and it's going to be much nicer generally. To, to buy a, a kind of owner-occupied property than to rent something which is maybe built for renting, which is kind of lower quality. Correct. However, um, because of the depreciation of buildings uh, and the fees involved, um, it only really works if you're going to stay there, I think. So you, you really want to live in the property for like 10, 20 years. If you if you pretty sure you can do that i think it's a no-brainer to buy something but if you're going to be moving in the short term you're going to be moving in two years time then it might not be a good idea is what i normally not going to be the ideal investment if you picked it for your own personal use yeah 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 my usual time on calculations we do is if you're planning on buying in less uh, of selling in three to five years to change you know your your lifestyle change you know within three to five years you're not going to, you're going to come out, break even is about five years. You might come out a little bit below because the fees involved in purchase and the fees involved in selling, um, you want to be there for 
at least five years, but preferably more. So, you know, I get lots of clients that they're maybe just a, you know, a, a newly married couple. Now, we don't have kids yet, but if you buy a two LDK place now, once you have your first or second kid in about three to five years' time, you're going to, you know, right now, it's not going to last you beyond there comfortably. So don't buy the one or two LDK place downtown in, in, in Azabu, where you know in five years' time, you're, you're definitely outgrowing it. Um, be, even just wait two years to have your first kid and then be a bit more strategic. Um, but yeah, if you look, look for a place at least 10 years, you're definitely going to get value in, in owning your own place. Does that change if it's not Tokyo? I, I get. I have an image that the, the real estate market in Tokyo is different from you know more regional places. Um, You've got more flexibility and creativity with the property that's out of Tokyo because the price to rent ratio is going to be a lot more reasonable. Yeah. Uh, I, also, the the big the big issue, um, how I calculate it, isn't. I don't talk about sort of the the effect of depreciation so much, um, or. Uh, um, or land or just general cost. So building depreciate, but the land will appreciate. Um, well, it may. It's hard right? to, I mean, yeah, it, it may, yeah. So that, <laughs> that's a speculation aspect. So I never sell, I mean, hey, look, prices in Tokyo have been going up for the past five years or you know, 10 years now. Um, that's not the spin. Rather, it's, look, to purchase a property is about, say, 5 to 8%, let's say, you know, easy number, 7% closing costs, right? So you're going to pay 7% closing costs and to, um, sell the property, you pay 3% uh, agency fee, right? So total in buy and sell, is it's 10% of fees, right? Just in the transaction. So the worst case scenario is you buy it today, sell it tomorrow for the mm. same price. You've lost 10% of value just in fees, okay? If you hold it for the full 35 years, the loan is, is um, uh, paid off, you've got whatever depreciation is there, but you get 100% of it back. So you're, you're up, right? So worst case scenario is on day one, day, yeah, day two that you've bought it, you sell it. You've lost 10%. First, the longer you hold it, you get a lot more back. 35 years, you get everything, 100% of the sale price you get back. Somewhere along the line, it's going to be the crossover. Um, and I say in Tokyo, it seems about three to five years is where the break-even point. And beyond that, you're going to get some extra money after selling it. Um, regional area, like all the other places outside Tokyo, my focus is only in Tokyo, so I can't give you those um, estimates, but I feel they kind of work similar. Um, not, not, yeah, not, not, too, not too dissimilar. And the value you get is because most of all your payments, interest rates are low, so low, it's almost free money. Um, most of your payments are paying off equity and any kind of costs and depreciation um, your your equity down payment is faster than the depreciation rate, um, and that's almost always okay. uh, going to be the case. Yeah, so that that's my that take. Rings on true as well. For, and for then you have that nice tax break for the first ten years as well, which I think is is a big factor as well, right? Mm. Yeah, they just changed that recently. But yeah, we for new houses we get like, um, I think they changed it in April. I'm not familiar with the exact. I think it's like 350, but it was. Um, 200,000 yen a year for the first 10 years for a, a used place or a brand new property was 400,000 yen a year. Wasn't it um, based on the outstanding loan? Like 1% of the outstanding loan up to a cap, right? Yeah. In Tokyo, the, all the properties are like 
beyond the cap, right? I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, well beyond the cap, yeah. So we have an issue. And what, what's actually really interesting with that is you can split it. So the cap is 1% of the loan. So if you have 300, like 30 million yen of mortgage, then the most you can get is um, uh, 400,000 yen or the, the cap 1% is 300,000. So 300,000 yen a month, sorry, a, a year as a tax rebate. That's a full tax rebate. Um, the great scenario was a lot of clients I have like, you know, most of my properties are between say 70 to 120 or 150 million yen. Uh, what I'm selling in, in Tokyo for the, the families, right? Uh, and when you have a dual income, that's actually, you can split that between ah, both, right. both partners. So if the, and it's based on the land ownership. So if the, both, um, you know, uh, the, the husband and wife do 50-50 split ownership and a joint loan, then as far as their tax return is concerned, they, let's say it's a, a, a 100 million yen property, so a million dollar property. Double rebate. Based on the old historic exchange rates, at least. Um, then each, the, the tax office will, okay, each one owns 50%. They own a 50 million yen debt. So they can get 400,000 yen tax rebate each. Mm, and, yeah. and, and, and they're, they're generally meeting it. Um, and maybe after a few years, five years, they're below the, the, the one, the cap. So it goes down to 380,000, 370,000. But yeah, as a household, they're making over, and actually, I was until recently, it was 13 years, right? So yeah, five, yeah. Five, 5 million yen each of tax rebate for, 10, for 13 years. So basically, $100,000, a million and um, 10 million yen of tax rebate. Um, and it's still sort of, it's still similar. They've reduced the cap slightly, but that's why a lot of my clients, like new properties, um, just make more sense because of the tax rebate you get. Um, it's you get more rebate than the interest you pay. Yeah, yeah. So you're making money for the first ten years, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I'm it's gutted because I missed out on that. Um, like for mansions, it's it's 25 years is the limit, um, unless you have a certificate. Age of the of property, yes, correct. Yeah, and ours was 25 and a half years old when we bought it, and we couldn't get the certificate, so <laughs> no tax uh, rebate. No. Maybe me. that's why it was sold exactly then. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it, it's a little bit. It's not fully reflected in the price, um, but it is kind of you know understood. So there are these are the benefits for it. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is really good stuff. We're at the uh, one hour mark. Uh, if you got any final questions to Ben or Ben, if you got any questions for us, um, but otherwise, uh, we would like to welcome the viewers' questions. So don't be shy. Send us your questions. Um, you have been a lot more active recently. We've actually got two guests who are going to come on the panel to uh, do a live Q&A with us. But do send any questions in. And we will link to um, Retire Japan, also to the books. Are they on Amazon, Ben? Um, they're on Gumroad, which is an independent marketplace. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. And actually, while we've been speaking, I've actually downloaded, like, I've actually bought your book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we've been speaking. I'm multitasking. You just, you know, Thank given you very it much. so yeah, and and also I've downloaded your, um, you know, the ten steps of finance literature. And you know what? I've now copied the because my brother lives here and my husband. So you know, I'm sharing sharing the information. So you're allowed to share within the family, Tracy. I think that's okay. No, oh I yeah, bought, absolutely. I bought the yeah. book, right? So and <laughs> and I and I manage the, the thing is I manage the finances for everybody. So I pay all the school fees and rents for and everything for everybody. So you know, I I do want to ask um, Ben, sort of like in terms of some yeah, an extension of retired Japan. 
Um, and it's big one in, in, in Japan because of, of inheritance tax is estate planning or estate yes. information. Yes. How much have, have you touched on that in your, or is that discussed in your forum? And what are your thoughts on, you know, like well, either that aspect or the next kind of, you know, um, uh, development of Retired Japan? Yeah, I mean, in a way, like Retired Japan is, is slightly limiting because it's not just about retirement. It's about, you know, personal finance as a whole. So learning about man- money management and how you can invest and you know, income streams and stuff. And of course, things like inheritance taxes and, and estate planning. Um, estate planning's quite tough because <laughs> uh, there's so many factors, right? So, I mean, the first yeah. major one is if you're not Japanese, um, your estate by default um, defaults back to your home country um, rules. So you're not necessarily going to have your estate dealt with by Japanese rules. Now, in the case of the UK, um, what happens is the UK then bounces it back and says, hey, if you're not resident, it defaults to the, the country you're living in. So UK citizens are dealt with under Japanese law but only because the UK bounces it back. So that's the first kind of weird step. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you've got the kind of mandatory shares thing where, you know, a standard inheritance would be like 50% for the spouse and 50% for the children. And if there's no children, it goes to a different family member. Uh, and even if you write a will, there's a minimum share. So you cannot write your spouse out of the will. They, they get, they, by mm. law, they get a certain amount. It's kind of half the normal share. They definitely uh, get. And, and this is not just Japan. France has a similar system, I think, as well. So, um, but just understanding all that as, re- as yeah. you know, related to your own situation is, is really complex. Um, yes. And then there's overseas inheritances and how they're treated. So that's another can of worms, right? So um, depending on your, your status of residence, your visa, um, an overseas inheritance might not be taxed or it might be taxed. So if you're, a, if you're on a spouse visa or a permanent resident, you, you'll be taxed on overseas inheritances. And we're circling back right back to financial planners and creative accountants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... <clears throat> but yeah we have we have got a few articles about that um on the blog and on the forum so sure okay that's yeah that, that's one of the, the next stages of complexity in terms of retirement is in, you know uh inheritance and well uh, apparently um real estate is taxed favorably in japan i hear i haven't got specialist knowledge on this but lots of rich families tend to you know put their money into real estate inheritance, to rules, uh, inheritance laws still apply though Oh, yeah, but so I think if you have like what's a market value million dollar, you know, 100 million yen asset, in terms of inheritance, it gets its value, I think, below half. They say, oh, this it's is... The tax, the, the land tax value, isn't it? So Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, like, like, it's like almost a third, if that. So, you know, the, the, the assessment by local wards is that your place is only worth, you know, 30 million yen, even though the market value is 100 million. So... If you inherit, uh, um, you know, 100 million yen of cash, that's fully 100 million yen assessed value for taxation purposes, inheritance tax. But if it's a 100 million yen real estate asset, um, it gets it's valued at like 300, uh, 30 million yen. I was not aware of that. Yeah, it's a, there's huge. It's a huge amount. I think the family home is even even gets further 
um, like treated <coughs> more beneficially. Mm. Yeah, if yeah, you're living they're, in they're it, yeah, there's the preferential yeah. treatments, I think. Oh. Yeah, so there's there's a, a few things like that. So benefits of, of real estate for estate planning. Learn something new every day. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And well, the life insurance. It has a Sorry, okay, I'm going to wrap it up. No, 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 go on, go on, go on. <laughs> okay, well, big one. So I, unfortunately, um, so the life insurance, when you get a home loan, it's com- pretty much compulsory to get life insurance with the mortgage. Um, so included when you get when you get a loan, there's also a tax rate. Say you know it's a hundred million yen. There's life insurance. If the holder of the loan dies, passes away, then the entire mortgage gets wiped to zero. So that entire uh, asset gets given as a the, the remaining house is uh, is an asset that gets passed on with no no debt associated with it. But you have to um, live in it for two years, though, right? Following the death of the spouse. Uh, is that? Yeah, pretty. Oh sure no, no, that's. that's oh no, no, like if whether for, or not that's for inheritance, that could be the inheritance yeah, that's, tax that's aspect of it. Tax aspect. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my 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 discussion was rather um, the home loan, a Japanese home mortgage, will come with life insurance included in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you die, it goes down to zero. Whether yeah. or not you sell the house right away or whatnot. It don't, there's no debt associated. Like, let's say, you know, after 10 years, you've got a, a hundred million in property. The remaining loan is 70 million, right? If that goes as inheritance, it's both the, my understanding is both the asset plus the debt associated, right? You don't get the house and the bank gets nothing. Um, however, with home loans, that debt will get wiped down to zero in case of debt. Yeah, so that's why I recommend not insurance. paying mortgages off too early. To keep the zero benefit, zero. Well, it's not just that. It's like, you know, the interest rates are half a percent. And once you put money in there, you, you can never get it out. You, can, yeah. you can't release equity from your property, from your, your home loan, unless you sell the property. No advantage to pay early. Then. There's no. So, Ben, would you recommend anyone put their money in a 0.5 percent? Investment, locked, locked account, lo- yeah, lock, yeah, yeah. Lock, no, lock for the not. All, yeah, no, not a chance, right? Not, not a chance. Um, and then that's what I tell everyone. That's essentially what you're doing: paying early or paying any extra down payment. Not, not trying to get the full 100% home loan. Any cash you put into it is basically a terrible sort of fun. I feel terrible financial decision versus putting it in an ESA account. Yeah, putting it yeah. in, yeah, in any other kind of you know investment. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only that. reason to do that is if it makes you more comfortable. And uh, at the end of the it's day, emotional. personal finance is is ninety nine percent psychology and one percent information. And I a personal find. home purchase is very similar. Don't we keep telling people it's not an investment? Don't even think about it along the same criteria. Just buy the place that you'd be comfortable living in, mm. where you want to raise your family. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for your time, Ben. A pleasure as always. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, nice talking to everyone. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we thank will be so here again next week, most hopefully, or wherever you, whenever you happen to see this episode. <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks. Bye. Right. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. You too. 
So that was Ben Sheeran, folks, Mr. Retired Japan himself. Always a pleasure speaking with him. The man is an endless well of information and good advice. Check out the link to the website and his books on this episode's show notes. And again, if you still haven't secured your ticket in person or virtual for this coming weekend uh, Japan Real Estate Summit in Tokyo, now is the time. Again, we will not be able to sell tickets on the day. So get over to realestate.jp and secure your seat or virtual seat today. Can't wait to see you all with us next Saturday, 4th February at the event. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time, and until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!